the value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. South Africa's 2023 budget speech has been delivered in the last couple of hours with me, Sison Kele Kobus from 91 in Cape Town. She is a fixed income analyst at that institution. See, so I always get this sort of feeling of trepidation on budget day because it's either going to be less worse than expected or worse than expected. And that's been the pattern of the last few years. The first thing I do is look at the 10-year bond yield and it actually fell and the yield's coming down. So I thought maybe the market had received it favourably. That's me. Just give me your general impressions, please, before we get into the details. Thank you, Lindsay. Uh, well, the market um, has taken the budget positively. Uh, we've seen a roughly 10 basis points sort of a retrace lower across the curve, the South African yield curve. I mean, um, in this budget, uh, we've received the ESCOM solution, debt solution that um, ESCOM has been asking for for a number of years now. You'll remember in the MTBPS in 2022, the Minister of Finance had promised to provide the solution, um, but there was nothing there. So um, there was a solution provided here, uh, which sort of gives uh, certainty to to investors on how the debt um, situation at ESCOM is going to be resolved. And then in terms of additional spending pressures, this budget was um, relatively tight. Um, they've still towed the line on wages and then on the revenue uh, perspective, um, still relatively elevated, but net-net um, a, a positive outcome given the solution to Eskom. Do you think the Eskom solution is a bold one? Do you think it's a realistic one or do you think it's burdensome, CISA? I think it's um, a realistic one. So they provide 254 billion support to ESCOM over the three years, starting this coming fiscal year. What they've done is they've made it uh, loans, which will be turned into equity injections for the first three years. And then there's another 70 billion, which will be a takeover of debt in the final year. So I think this is what Treasury can afford to do at this point in time. Um, that is pay the capital and interest payments of ESCOM as they come due, which effectively means over the next three years, starting in, in March 2023, ESCOM will not have any sort of debt obligations in terms of capital repayments and interest payments, which allows ESCOM management to actually focus, whichever management comes through, yeah. um, which is to actually focus on the operational issues in that company. I don't want to dwell too much on ESCOM before we move on to other things, but do you think this is implementable? I mean, these are great words, and as you say, well-received by the market along with other things, but do you think these words can be turned into deeds? Implementation is the key here, I think. Yeah, I think um, they've spoken some um, about an international consortium, um, so in experts from um, across the globe to come and sort of help uh, with these ESCOM core fleets, which have an energy availability factor that has been deteriorating. So I think that's a positive outcome. I mean, as I was reading through the document, uh, what became clear, what came across, it was as, as though it's an equivalent of an IMF bailout, where they say you are out of the market for three years, but we will come in and make sure that all the operations that are required will come through. And one other thing that's not particularly ESCOM specific, but energy specific, is um, the tax rebates and support that households and business um, is receiving in this budget. Um, for example, for households, they can get a 25% tax deduction for solar panel spending up to 15,000 rand. And then for businesses, they can get tax deductions of 50% of the cost of a project in the first year, 
30% the following year and 20% the year after. And with these deductions, what um, Treasury has done is that they've limited this to March 23 to Feb 24 for households and then March 23 to Feb 25 for businesses, effectively forcing all investment to be front-loaded over the next two years, which is when we are at the crux of the generation issues. So they're almost encouraging everyone to invest as much as they can currently. Okay, that sounds quite progressive to me. But let's get back to some real basics. I'm sort of tempted to ask you in the brief time that we have, Cisa, to say your top three and your bottom three when it comes to the budget, but um, that may be unfair. So I'm going to start with any budget has two things. Number one, Mm -hmm. how much it brings in. Number two, how much it needs to spend, whether it be a household or whether it be the South African economy, the country Mm -hmm. of South Africa. So how much are we bringing in? It seems to be a little bit better than the MTBPS projected. Yes. So a little bit better than the MTBPS projections. Cumulatively, over the, um, the, the, the medium-term expenditure framework, about $90 billion. $9 billion in the current year, um, one, three, and five in the outer years. So my sense is that uh, for, for this fiscal year, that $9 billion I'm comfortable with. But the, after two years, there is some concern that um, with the commodity cycle sort of turning and the growth being under pressure, they may undershoot on that revenue expectation. I think that it's okay, but it is on the high end um, of expectation. It's quite interesting because uh, mining corporate taxes over the last year or so have been a bonanza for the Treasury, a bonanza for South Africa. And what I'm seeing at the moment, having seen a few corporate results from, for example, the PGM producers, maybe this will not be the case in six months' time and a year's time. So that's something to be wary of. Exactly. I mean, that's why I have this this expectation that they will undershoot somewhat um, this year, but I don't think um, significantly. So what they showed us in the budget is a breakdown of finance, manufacturing and mining. So um, in 2022-23, the income tax for mining sort of decelerated, but finance and manufacturing have been shooting up, which is something they mentioned in the MTBPS as well, that the corporate income tax improvement is starting to be broad-based. But I mean, uh, to your point, I still think that mining sector um, accounts for a hell of a lot. And as the mining companies start um, showing weaker results, um, it will start to bite on a fiscal side as well. Any tax changes, Cesar? So um, what they've done is, besides the sort of rebates for renewable investment that I mentioned earlier, they've allowed for uh, inflation adjustment in the in the brackets, the tax income. So no change in the rate, but an inflation adjustment which effectively gives households 15 billion worth of support. So if we didn't get that um, inflation adjustment, we would have paid 15 billion more. And then um, they have a tax refund uh, for diesel spending um, where manufacturing businesses can claim the RAF tax because it's a road accident fund. And if you are banning diesel for electricity, you don't need the road accident fund insurance. So they can claim that. So that's some support. And um, But in terms of tax rates, uh, no, no changes. Okay. What about expenditure? Any drastic measures either to the upside or the downside for the amount that the government will spend? 
Yeah. So, I mean, no significant change in actual spending when you exclude this ESCOM debt relief. So there's, I think, $1 billion for SAA and about $2.4 billion for another state-owned enterprises, but nothing uh, substantial. And what they haven't accounted for is still with the wage, the wage bill, the compensation. So it's still relatively unchanged from what it was in the MTBPS. But you'll remember the concerns in the MTBPS as well was that they haven't accounted for any sort of substantial or meaningful wage increases. And as the um, unions and governments start negotiating, that number will potentially be an outcome higher than what is in the budget. And when that question is raised, which is really their comment is that they don't want to front run um, that process. Okay, so public sector wages, which has been a contentious issue in the past, has been treated sympathetically, can we say? Yeah, they haven't accounted for much in the budget. Okay. So Yeah, so it's a smaller increase. Right, so syntax is as normal, go up, and that's always a given. Yeah. What was the mood? What was the mood of the speech? What was the mood of the House? Did people generally applaud it, or was there sort of cautious negativity or cautious optimism? Let's look at that. How did you see the yeah, mood? Yeah, I like the term that you've used, the last term, cautious optimism. Mm. I think I wasn't in the big room where he was rendering the speech. I was in the smaller breakout rooms. But there was a cautious optimism in terms of they finally tackled this elephant in the room, which is ESCOM. And it seems that they have proper conditions in place to try and turn things around. But like any good South African, we're going to have a little bit of skepticism yes. because you want to see the implementation. So I like that term, cautious optimism. In that case, you may use it. See, <laughs> <laughs> so the conclusion I'll come to in a second, but what we have to talk about is the macroeconomic outlook. And I must admit, again, I was a little bit dismayed by the prospect of GDP growth over the next uh, couple of years. Maybe you could summarise what the minister said about the prospects for the South African economy. So, I mean, off the back of load shedding, they have uh, reduced their expectation uh, for the coming year a little bit. So they expect about 0.9 versus what I think was previously uh, 1.9%. So they are um, alive to the fact that load shedding is binding constraint um, on the economy. And I think that's a concern. And that's why they've made this sort of drastic and creative sort of little moves in terms of household generation, business generation, to try and curb uh, the negative impact of that. The conclusion starts as follows. Madam Speaker, our economy is facing significant risks. Uncertainty is on the rise. It requires us to do bold things, to put the fear of failure aside and execute the difficult trade-offs needed to get from where we are now to where we want to be in the future. The measures in this budget, he goes on to say, reflect these realities and the need to act boldly. Boldly is a word that he's now used twice. Do you think it was a bold budget, CISA? I think it was a bold budget, as they could potentially be. I mean, $250 billion of support um, is a lot, even though they've netted the $66 billion previously of, of that. But I think it was bold, yeah. Very good. Cesar, thanks so much for your time. And that was Cesar Mkele Kobus, who's Fixed Income Analyst at 91 in Cape Town. This podcast is a marketing communication and is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. In South Africa, 91 is an authorised financial services provider.